but knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everybody. Fourth of July week. Uh, happy Independence Day to everybody, and uh, hope you have a great time this week. Uh, take advantage of the extra couple of days. We're actually doing the show a little bit early this week uh, because of the holiday, and uh, so we will be uh, covering uh, a couple of the tournaments that are in progress early in the week that uh, normally might have been done by the time we got to the show. But uh, not that that really matters. But uh, nope. Joe, how you doing? <laughs> uh, happy Fourth of July to you Same a little bit to early. You, Big Dave, and to, to our host here, Joe. Joe Costello working with us today, and uh, I got a letter, by the way, on the show that we did uh, uh, when you were gone, and Joe was uh, jumped in, and we talked a lot about Neil Rogers, so I'll get to that a little bit later, but uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Obviously, we're honing in on the main event, which starts on July the 8th, which is uh, coming up Saturday, right? Uh, three uh, opening days, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And uh, a lot of stuff going on out there, obviously. Still the ladies' event still to come. We'll talk about the upcoming schedule. Uh, but we got a great show tonight. And uh, now that July 1st is come and gone, we'll have a completely uh, different background atmosphere to the World Series of Poker because recreational marijuana is now legal in uh, the state of Nevada. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I want to have an extensive discussion about that, uh, how you've dealt with that as a poker room director uh, in places where obviously poker, where uh, marijuana has been illegal. But uh, I think pot smoking has been a big part of uh, the game for a long time for a lot of people. Well, especially with the young crowd. You yeah, know, absolutely. And, and, and I definitely see so much more of that now. Yeah, we'll absolutely. discuss that later. But uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, last week when we were on the show, our good friend Chris Bolick was uh, shorthanded uh, in, uh, among the final five in event number 50, which was the 1500 No Limit uh, Bounty event. And I uh, sent uh, Joe a text when I found out that Chris had actually won the tournament. Which the next is so day. wonderful. He's such a great guy. Yeah, Chris Bolick is a local here from uh, Boca Raton. Plays uh, at the uh, Isle Casino on a regular basis. Has uh, won a couple events there, and uh, finished uh, second uh, in the uh, uh, World Series of Poker Circuit event when uh, the player that stole the poker chip was actually disqualified, and Chris got moved up to first place. Uh, so he's had some success in the game, but uh, uh, not as much on a regular basis. Let's not, has, let's not forget the WPT. The WPT has been good for him. Came in Jacksonville and then came down here and took first place. Exactly. He's won, a, won in within a couple of weeks yeah, of each other. So was, yeah. he's had good success, but those were all a couple of years ago, and I guess over the last couple of years he hasn't played as much. He got away from the game a little bit, but uh, just a super nice kid, and we'll have him back on the show when he gets back to town later on. Of course, uh, wish him luck in the main event which I'm sure is uh, on his horizon right now. (laughs) But we'll talk about his win. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about uh, what's going on out there in Vegas, what's still to come. Uh, And then we'll talk about a couple of other things. Uh, I did want to mention, I'm working on some upcoming guests, and one of the people who contacted me that I I was aware of was a a woman named uh, Kristen uh, Wilson, who was the founder and owner of an organization called Poker Refugees that basically was formed to help people get acclimated when they wanted to go play online poker elsewhere after uh, Black Friday (laughs) when uh, a lot of the companies closed down and uh, she has really helped people over the years. And I read a big story about her but maybe about five years ago and uh, I didn't even know that they were still operating, but she sent me a note, and uh, and she's going to be out in Vegas. I'm not going to make it out there myself this year, but uh, we will get together and uh, have her on by phone at some point, and uh, certainly we'll look forward to uh, to having her on and talking about that on the show. Uh, also, I wanted to mention a letter later that... Uh, that letter. I guess we can start with that. I wanted to mention that while uh, keep Joe and Joe Costello interested, since Joe was on the show with me, and uh, we kind of just started the show and, and talked about Joe's past in uh, in the radio business. And uh, I got a note from someone that mentioned, uh, you know, how happy he was that we had talked about Neil Rogers, and uh, we spent some time talking about the past and radio in South Florida. 
And uh, I got a note from this fellow. I wanted to read a little part of it. He said, uh, Dave, thanks for your remembrances of Neil Rogers. I was lucky enough to have heard most of his shows from the first days at WKAT, which is uh, even before he was really well known, and then onward through much of the 1980s. His tolerance and compassion greatly influenced me as a young man, and I could say without hesitation that I love Neil and I miss him very much. Um, he finishes up by saying, I'd like to thank you and Joe for entertaining me. And I think he's talking about, he's a regular listener of the show. So he says, helping uh, me to stay informed about the, Flo- the Florida poker scene. I enjoy your show very much and happy to know you are a fan of Neil the Great. But, uh, that was, that was a fun day that, uh, we talked about that, Joe Costello. And, uh, certainly, uh, uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Well, I, I thought it was great that I was able to have some sort of an impact. On the poker action line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bringing out the Neely, the guy out there. Yeah, exactly. He has, uh, there is a website where people can listen to the old shows. and uh, uh, You wonder what that has to do with poker, but to be honest, although Neil, I don't believe, played poker, um, he was such a proponent of casino industry and, and I think would be thrilled to see uh, what it's turned into down here now with, with so many different casinos and card rooms and with Florida City opening up tomorrow on a regular basis for Highlight, they opened their, their card room. Uh, this place has expanded, and I think we're well on the way to, with one, one step or two, become you know the player in the in the in the nation for as far as uh, gambling and, and, and entertainment. Huge advocate for paramutuals. Spent a lot of time there, Pompano Park. Oh, right, exactly. Uh, and for an entire generation, I'm talking about myself and my friends, helped guide down the road of going to a paramutual, I would have never gone to see the Trotters. <laughs> now, never. I, I, Neil talked about it. He talked about it. It was fun. And, hey, you know what? Neil's going. Let's go check this out. And went there uh, in many ways to just follow in the footsteps of Neil Rogers. This guy, the same is true for hockey, incidentally, here in South Florida. Okay. He had a tremendous influence. I was not a hockey guy. I was raised in Hollywood, Florida. But Neil's going, and he's talking about it. He's making it sound fun. He's making it sound interesting. I'm going to go. And that's how it was with uh, the trotters, obviously the horse track. Uh, I even went to the dogs a couple of times. So his influence was vast in many areas, and we don't think about uh, how he affected that. There's cer- certainly not a, even a statue to his name down here, but we all remember Neil. And how about you, Joe? You well, remember I, Neil Rogers? When I got down here is when I heard about him. You know, and I got down here officially uh, June 30th of 1988. Started to listen to some of his shows. Uh, you know, sometimes because of the jobs I had at that time, I didn't hear his radio show because of the time that it was on and, and the job that I had. But, you know, it, it, it's no coincidence, Joe, that uh, Neil was a big proponent of paramutuals. Dave, you've been in paramutuals longer than I have, right, you know, and right. I've, I, you know, but the paramutual industry, especially through the 70s, 80s, was a huge industry down here. And I remember because my father's love was horse racing. So I remember that come January, Hialeah Park would only open for, for roughly two months, January and February. But you had all the best horses, all the best jockeys, all the best trainers down here in South Florida. You and I grew up with with Miami Highlight, you know, I, well, you saw it more in the heyday than I did, but when I got in, it was towards the end. I remember people complaining of six, 7,000 people, and I thought that was a lot, and they said no. When I heard the stories, you know, people don't realize down here that at Miami Highlight had a 15,000, I think, seating or capacity. Fridays and Saturday nights, they, everyone there had Back told the place, me that yeah. they used to have a fire marshal outside the doors once once it hit the they hit the number. People couldn't go in unless people had were were exiting the building. And you know the numbers that they were running through, being that I got involved with mu- with the, uh, the the mutuals part, you know, and the revenue, they were consistently hitting a million dollars worth of betting revenue. On Fridays and Saturdays, where they ran uh, uh, on the big days, with the right? Six, when they sure. ran a, sure. a matinee and an evening performance, and and that was just amazing. Which is what has always baffled me, Dave, is that you know, with the thriving industry of the paramutuals, how it was so difficult to take that next step to the casinos and and to you know what we have today. I can remember uh, in the seventies, uh, people used to. Uh, um, Tourists used to get their tickets at their hotel on the beaches because they had a handful of tickets that would go to the Eden Rock and the Fountain Blue and the biggest hotels on, on Miami Beach. And, uh, of course, those uh, 
concierges there made just a tremendous amount of money getting these people in for the front row seats. And and everybody came and, and dressed up in suits and ties and everything. So it's just life is so much different now. Well, the you mentioned Hialeah Park. Again, growing up down here, born down here, Hialeah Park was the spot. And I went one time in the early 80s with my grandparents and parents. And I remember being blown away. And then later, the movie Let It Ride, which was filmed down there, exactly. Richard Dreyfuss, is filmed at Hialeah Park. It recaptured the uh you know the gravitas of this place where you know Sinatra used to go there and Winston Churchill had been there and Amelia Earhart took off from there for her around the world flight um so many things and you know it kind of decayed but now it is back I have yet to be back there but there were these these places that were beacons of entertainment and people would go there now why did it take so long North Florida there's the reason <laughs> North yeah. Florida people yeah. outside of the state need to understand that there are two Floridas there's North Florida and there's South Florida. We are one, but North Florida is against, or were, and South Florida was always pretty much for, but we didn't have the uh, the muscle. We didn't have the juice to make it happen. It's funny you mentioned uh, Hylia Park. I played there on Saturday, so <laughs> how, it's how beautiful. Is it? It, it's beautiful. It's they did a really nice job there. Uh, the key, casinos downstairs, the poker rooms up on the second floor, and. Uh, uh, it was a big weekend because of the Fourth of July, right. and also celebrating 20 years of, uh, you know, poker at the Paramutuals down here in South Florida. So let's get back to poker because, uh, you know, I, I I did want to touch on that, and thank you to Warren for sending that email, and I didn't get back to you because I I actually did not read it till this weekend. At two months later, uh, I had some problems with the email account, and uh, so I will send him a note and uh, and get back to him. But thanks, you know, and and of course anybody of any of our listeners that want to write in, you can always write to. Big Dave at PokerActionLine.com. I think we have the uh, email straightened out enough where I can get them on a regular basis. So uh, we'll certainly look forward to that. But let's uh, let's touch on the World Series because things are winding down. Uh, Chris's event was event 50. And right now they're playing the uh, Poker Players Championship, which is one of the premier events, Joe, as you know, the $50,000 um, Poker Players Championship with the eight-game mix. Yeah, which which uh, a South Floridian has won twice. Uh, Michael Mizraki. And... Uh, uh, he is still alive, and a great list of names. I, I looked at uh, the list of tables uh, for today's day two action. Uh, players coming back. Rob Mizraki is currently in third place with 485,000 chips. Maybe we'll see the brothers at the final table once again as they that did would be a while cool. back. Yeah, that happened uh, several years ago. But uh, they are getting underway. Matthew Ashton is the chip leader there. Uh, knocked out Ben Sulski on the last level during pot limit Omaha last night. And uh, took the chip lead. He is uh, just a little bit ahead of uh, um, Aaron Katz, who is actually in third place now, or second place now. And Rob Mizraki, as I mentioned, is third. Harry Madoff and Mark Gregorich round out the top five. But you look down the list of tables. I mean, can you imagine uh, if you were a guy? I mean, you probably wouldn't be playing normally. It's a $50,000 event. But uh, if you walk to your table... Uh, and sat down, and at one table there's John Monette, one of the great mixed game players in the world, David Bach, who's won two bracelets this season, and uh, Elkie, all at one table. Can you imagine sitting with three guys there? Well, listen, when you're paying 50000 you know you're going to be playing with the big boys of, of, of the industry Abs- right there. Absolutely. You're not going to be looking at too many unknowns. Another table, seat two, Jason Mercier, seat three, Mike Sexton, seat six, Mike Matisau. Wow. So, uh, you know, another table has uh, Todd Brunson, John Raisner, who's the uh, leader for the Player of the Year, by the way. Uh, Justin Bonomo, Mike Leah, and Daniel Negreanu sitting right next to each other at another table. Uh, just tremendous, and we're, we're going to keep an eye on that one. Of course, uh, with the time difference, it hasn't gotten underway yet today as we do the show. Well, you see, you're mentioning all these names. You know, people get excited seeing all these guys' names. And this is what I had envisioned of seeing people playing like this, or, or at least online for the uh, Global Poker uh, League. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, when they had all those teams. And this is what, what I think would have interested most poker, you know, enthusiasts who want to watch poker and watch the top people at the, you know, at the height of their game playing like this. This, this, this makes for fun poker. Yes, it and does. And for fun watching. Uh, there's also an event called the Crazy Eights which is uh, $888 buy-in, eight-handed tables. Okay. Much of a difference, really, between eight-handed and nine-handed, in I, your opinion? My opinion, no, but there is a huge difference between six and nine. Yeah. So I think they just made it eight to go go with the... You know, with the title of the of the tournament of the Crazy Eights, with yeah. the buy-in and everything else. I don't, you know, I'm, 
I don't think you have to play as many hands, you know, as you have. You know, you have to see a lot more hands when you're six-handed than nine-handed, uh, you know, just because that's the nature of the game and with the cards that are being dealt out. So, but uh, how did that tournament? How many people were in that eight hundred and eighty-eight dollar tournament? Eight thousand one hundred twenty. Wow. Uh, there's four opening sessions, uh, two uh, I guess each day for the last couple of days over the weekend. And as they get back to day two today, 372 players remaining out of 8,120. No, 8, 8, wow. Pretty amazing. Chip leader is Paul Berger. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, Greg Raymer's still alive. They've had some interviews with him, and, and he's alive, although he's not in the top 20. Uh, South Florida player Ian O'Hara is uh, in the top 20, though, and uh, still alive there. So... Uh, interesting. That is, of course, one of the smaller buy-in tournaments compared to the $50,000 Players Poker Championship. So, uh, you know, uh, completely different fields in those two. And, and there's only 93 in the $50,000 tournament, as you might expect. <laughs> exactly. By the way, William Kasouf, uh is still alive. 205,000 chips. In uh, the 50,000? In the, in the 888. In the 888, yeah. Uh, chip leader is 646K. And Kasuf's at 205. So uh, he's off to a pretty good start. And uh, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll have to see uh, with the main event. Uh, but I watched some of that stuff from last year uh, yesterday. Oh, you watched some of yeah, the main event? Yeah, no, uh, Kasuf. It was oh. actually on YouTube. It was uh, basically the hand with Stacy. Uh, showed Stacy getting eliminated. Then it showed a hand uh, uh, with uh, Griffin Benger with it. Uh, he got knocked out the with cooler. pocket kings. Yeah, yeah the aces against, aces. against kings. So, you know, interesting. Kate Hall still alive, and Josh Hillick, another South Florida player, still in there. So we're keeping an eye on our local people here in South Florida and also uh, a good a good group of uh, uh, big-name players, uh, some from South Florida, but uh, the, the Mizraki so, brothers both alive in the other tournament. Now, let me see if I heard you correctly earlier. You said John Raisner is the leader for Player of the He's Year Player of right the Year now? leader right now. Well, yeah. we know he won a bracelet, so he must have final tabled a lot of other tables. Yeah, huh? he's had some, some good events. Uh, there's a story on uh, Poker News right now that just came out, and it talked about uh, how he's completely changed his life around, really. Uh, he was a partier, a gambler, uh, maybe a few shady things here and there that he was accused of. Had a bad drinking problem at one point, and he has had a drink for maybe, two years. Maybe that's why we haven't heard from him, you know, getting himself together or yeah. because of those previous problems. Well, he has a beautiful girlfriend. He's getting married very soon, and uh, his life has completely changed, and uh, obviously it's it's done well for him. Well, let me see. When you see people like Jason, who's gotten married and believing, I believe he's expecting, isn't he, Jason? Uh, his wife is yeah, expecting. Yeah, they're, 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 they're expecting, expecting in uh, November, you know, I think. And you see some of this. I mean, Dave, I don't know about you, but I remember when I was in my 20s, my early 20s, and making very, very good money and being single at that time, you know, just figuring, you know, you're bulletproof, <laughs> Yeah, you're going to live forever, and you're going to live, you know, the, the, the lifestyle that you currently have, and if not even better, and, you know, uh, life has a way of slapping you across the face and letting you know for the most of us that, hey, you know, you need to slow down, you need to make investments, you need to do this to plan for the future, and I, this is so wonderful to hear that John has straightened out whatever demons, personal demons he had, yeah. and that he's doing so well. I mean, look look at the results. Player player of the year, more than about three-quarters of the way through the tournament, having already won a bracelet, congratulations yeah, to John. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of funny. He got up, uh, he said, I got up in the morning and, and clicked on the website and see where I stand, even though I'm calculating in my head uh, before I go to sleep. Uh, he goes, I realize they have Chris Ferguson ahead of me on the list. And he said, uh, you know, I, I I checked it out, and I know there's some big events uh, like like the, the Poker Players Championship, which he is playing in, and then a, a, a $25,000 PLO. So there's lots of points still to come, but he looked and he saw Ferguson ahead of him, and he goes, how is that possible? As it turns out, uh, they gave uh, Ferguson accidentally double points, and they uh, tweeted out that they would have that corrected today. So uh, uh, if you don't think this thing means something to people, 
uh, player of year honors for the World Series of Poker. You're, you're well, sadly mistaken. Well, listen, if you went through all that, you know, all his whatever his his endeavor was to get to get strained out and to to get his life on track, you know, and you've accomplished what he's accomplished so far during this series, uh, yeah, you want to get recognized for it. I'm sure. The, yeah. That ego is nice to to say that you've won Player of the Year. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a while since he uh, has been really relevant in the game. I think you know he's, he, he had some a few tournaments here and there, here and there but. He never really reached that level that we thought he was going to hit after coming in second. Granted, you know, uh, he became, and I don't say this derogatory, he became the afterthought in that main event because, you know, the big hand was, um, was, um, was it the mom? Joseph Chong. Uh, uh, Joseph Chong and uh, the one who won the tournament, uh, was it DeMal? Was it Josh DeMal? Uh, Duamo, yeah. Duamo, Duamo who won, who won that, you know. Those are the two that got all the, all the uh, press from 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 that tournament because by the time Damal uh, 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 had taken all the chips from Joseph Chang, you know he had a huge yeah. chip lead on Raisner and, and, and Raisner would had a big smile on his face because uh, he knew you know, he that, had made an extra almost two three, million three million or I three think, million maybe. more yeah, whatever it was he knew he he knew he probably might not win that tournament but. But the compensa- uh, the you know the uh, compensation was more <laughs> than enough, I, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of the events I want to talk about the Chris uh, Bolick bracelet, and of course uh, we will have Chris on the show. I sent him a tweet, and he uh, responded right away. Uh, said it was just like an awesome moment of his life, uh, and he's won tournaments. As we mentioned, he's won tournaments before. So uh, the other player that we've had on the show before that just won a bracelet is uh, Mosin Sharanya. Uh, who actually completed what they have called the Triple Crown uh, by winning a, a bracelet. He had won a, a European Tour event and uh, uh, also a uh, WPT event. So that kind of he's got all that three of them. Crown exactly. So uh, he's only the sixth player in history uh, to win that Triple Crown. The others: uh, Gavin Griffin, Roland DeWolf, Jake Cody, Elkie Grosbelier, and uh, Davidi Katai. So. Uh, Pretty interesting uh, that he wins a bracelet. He won in the uh, $1,500 No Limit Hold'em event, event number 52. So um, very interesting stories coming out of this World Series of Poker. But to us, uh, probably the most interesting is Chris Bullock. Now, Without I don't know if you've – have you done a show with Chris? No, here? he's always, he's always yeah. done a show, you know, that when I've been when I've been. If away. you had to go on a cruise one yeah, time, and yeah. I think you worked a tournament – whether it was in, uh, I don't remember if it was Aruba or, or maybe in the Midwest of the U.S., but uh, Chris has been kind enough to come in and sit in and do the show, and we've had some great shows. Sometimes we play a quote from him uh, coming out of break uh, where he talks about the first impressions of looking at the room at the World Series of Poker. And, uh, and Let me tell you, friend. Dave, he describes that perfectly because yeah. I remember the first time I saw those that many poker tables, I was in... <laughs> My my job must have hit the floor because I couldn't believe it. If you're a poker player and you've always thought about going out, it's certainly highly recommend uh, you know heading out there. Not just for not just for the poker and the great opportunities and the great games, but everything surrounding it. Uh, just the walk from the Rio lobby back to the poker room is a, is a workout. You know, <laughs> it's the walk all the way back to the poker rooms, and of course all the merchandise on sale on the way uh, into the room. They you uh, hit some. Uh, uh, booths, uh, Seminole Hard Rock actually has a booth uh, out there right now that uh, I think Tony Burns just came back in town. I'm going to try to head over there and see him today and find out what happened out there. They had the TDA Summit. so uh, But they're just uh, it's just uh, top-notch poker action all over the place. And there's so many other things to do in town, there's no question about it, but uh, why you would ever leave the Rio is, is hard to fathom, <laughs> really, to me. Well, you could leave to go play Tremendous tournaments at other venues out there. You know, exactly. it's a, I mean, you know, they've all decided they want they want in on this action. Yeah. So, so anyway, lots of stuff to talk about today. Let's uh, go ahead and take a break first before we talk about Chris's win out there. I, I want to touch on that uh, because I know a lot of friends of his listen to the show on a regular basis. I, I know that he listens to the show occasionally. We do want to congratulate him, and then we'll talk about uh, some of the upcoming things. A busy time at the uh, Seminole Hard Rock later this summer when everything gets done, and of course the just the main event just around the corner as well. So we'll be back. We'll take our first break in the show. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and uh, Joe and I will be back. Joe and Joe and I will be back when we return. This is Poker Action Line. 
This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. The path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Listen, the World Series is unlike any other event in poker. It's comparable to any other event in, in a major sport where the atmosphere is just hundreds of, you know, hundreds and thousands of people just who are, love poker and love to be there and love to play and love the game, and you're surrounded by it for six weeks. Now, six weeks is tough is tough to do. Not everyone can travel there for six weeks. Not everyone can necessarily afford to be there for six weeks or want to be there for six weeks. But I definitely encourage people to go there and experience what it's like. It's hard to explain. There's nothing like it. It's so fun. It's a room. I watch people walk in the World Series room all the time who have clearly never been there before. And they just stop at the entrance for about 30 seconds and just take a look at the room because they're so astonished at the enormity of the room. Back on the show, our good friend Chris Bolick uh, talking about, uh, uh, on the show a couple of times, he's uh, talked about what it's like to play out there. He remembers the first times that, that he walked into the room and and uh, you know he's always been a guy who spent the whole time out there. So sometimes you hear about him, sometimes you don't. But uh, uh, you know you can go Joe the seven weeks and and not even really get your yeah, name mentioned yeah, sometimes you know, out there unless you're one of the best known guys. You get well, you know you go for the whole seven weeks and get completely shut out, not even get a, a min cash. You know it's it's just that tells you how difficult and how what a great player these people are because. You know they're able to to sustain those 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 valleys, you know, and and the highs, that peaks and valleys that they that they go through in the poker world, and it was just it wasn't it funny we were discussing how Chris hadn't really done a whole lot right before we got on the exactly. air last week, yeah. and then you said, well, by coincidence, Chris is running deep in one of the tournaments now, and then you mentioned he was short stacked, so you're not you're not really figuring him to to win because I remember you read off the, what the chip stacks were at that time. Right. He had like and 1.7 million. I think the leader had 6 6 and Yeah, a half he million. was he was he was way behind five or six, you know, times uh, the stack that that the leader had plus he had to navigate through the other players that were in front of and him. And I know that one time right around that point he had less than 400,000 chips. Exactly. So now he was the short stack. So Chris, you know, we both know what a great poker player he is, but you know, he was he was able to, to, to go through that field and, and come out with the bracelet, and I, I can't imagine how happy Chris really is. That's, that's a heck of an accomplishment. You know, uh, most poker players dream of winning at least one bracelet. Now Chris, now Chris, after he enjoys this, Dave will now start thinking about, I want to become a multiple bracelet winner at, you know, at one point and, and join another exclusive group of people. Well, it was a $1,500 buy-in event, a bounty tournament, which you don't see too many of those in the series, but they paid $500 bounties. Uh, Chris ended up winning seven bounties, plus he got, gets his own back at the end. So $4,000 in addition to the first prize. And how many people were in the field? Uh, it was a nice field, uh, 1,927. So think about that. He won this tournament while only knocking out seven players. Well, he was very short-stacked. That's made, what I'm saying. He and, was and able all, to accumulate chips, right? What, you know, which actually had to put his 
his bounty chip, you know, in, in danger. Play, in many play, many times, many so, times. So you yes. know that that's that's you know how hard that is to do it. It's different if you say, well, he won it and he had forty something bounties. Well, then you know he had a lot of chips at one point, so he was able to sustain any any beats. But when you only accumulated seven bounties out of nineteen hundred people. You know, the, the target was painted on on your back, not, yeah, not, not the true. other way around. Very true. Uh, a lot of people get in those tournaments and like to go crazy in the beginning and hope to get a big stack and then just try to run over people because they're more interested in the bounties sometimes than winning the tournament. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that, but when I've entered bounty tournaments, yeah, I'm always looking to see if I can get my buy-in back from the bounties, which makes lends itself to a lot more play. And then, obviously, once you've you've won a few and you've built up your stack... You become a bully because you're you're not only chasing those chips, but you're chasing that $500 bounty. Exactly. Uh, when we did the show on Wednesday, they were uh, coming down toward the end of the night. Five players were left. Uh, one of the uh, players at the final table that was fairly well known is Dan Sindelar, who uh, was a November Niner in 2014. Uh, the others I don't think you'd be too familiar with, although he uh, did defeat Brian Emery heads up to uh, claim the bracelet. Um but Chris, uh, as we mentioned, came into that final day. The three lower, the three bottom players were all right around uh, 1.5 million or something, and the the top players were up over six or seven. So um, it looked like I, I don't think there was ever really a point in the beginning that I thought that you know he probably was going to win because you know it's really tough to come back from uh, behind. It like that. is, but you know when you do have a million in front of you and you can, you know, maybe I mean I don't know what the how he went through this if. Somebody else knocked out opponents, and he just kept moving up the ladder until he probably got very hot and, you know, went on his, his run to win the championship. Yeah, he did all of a sudden start to get some good cards. Uh, he had just 14 big blinds entering the final day. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, a couple of big hands. I want to talk about a couple of the hands at the final table. Uh, he won 266000 by the way, for first place. Emery wins 164000 uh, Tobias Peters, probably the other well-known player at the table uh, from the Netherlands, won 87,000 for fourth place. And let me tell you, if I'm not mistaken, that that may be just under what he picked up at coming in second. I believe it was in Jacksonville because I know he won almost quarter, um, almost half a million yeah. when he won the WPT. So it, it's not as large as uh, cash right, uh, exactly. victory, yeah. but I'm sure he he savors this one just as much as the WPT championship. It's funny. There was a player, the three lower players that I mentioned were all about the same. And uh, uh, one of the players, uh, Xiaoxing Wang, uh, when moved all in on the very first hand, uh, survived that hand but tried it again uh, on the th- on the fourth hand and got knocked out. So he was out right away. Um, the, then for a long time after, uh, there was a, another player knocked out. Uh, uh, James Gilbert uh, was who uh, Bolick uh, doubled through. He had uh, this was the big hand really that that, that kind of propelled, propelled him. Uh, he had Queen Ten. Gilbert had Ace Jack, and uh, the flop was Ace King King. So uh, he did have a gut shot straight draw. Uh, the jack came on the river. and But you said his opponent had... His oh, opponent, yeah, it came ace-king-king? King? Yeah. Ace-king-king. King. So he had two pair, and, and it looked like a good card for him, but it gave Chris the, the Broadway. So uh, so he, he moved up then, and that got him back in. Uh, he had gone all in a couple of times at the table. One time uh, he had pocket jacks against Tobias Peters, who had ace-ten. Uh, Chris flopped the jack, another jack for a set, and a jack on the turn gave him quads. So P- that knocked Peters out. They were down to three. Uh, that was on table 147 of the final table. So this was a long, drawn-out affair. You mean hand 147? Hand 147. What did they say? Table. You said table, table 147. 147. Uh, hand 147 of the final table. Uh, but five hands after that, uh, Chris doubled up again through uh, Emery. Uh, who uh, had king eight? Chris said uh, ace queen flopped uh, the uh, inside straight draw with jack ten, got a queen on the uh, got a king on the river to uh, uh, give him the nut straight, and uh, that vaulted him to the chip lead. So then from there on, he he grinded everybody down. The uh, only ten hands of head to head play. So it, it was. So did he knock out the? Uh, well, so that means he knocked out two people. 
in that final table. Yes. So he only had knocked out five. Right, exactly. And that's assuming he didn't knock anybody out to get to that final table, like when they were, you know, was this six-handed? Was this six-handed? Well, it was five-handed going into the final right, day. Right, but, but, but was it a six-handed no, table or I, nine-handed? I believe it was. I so he may have nine. knocked out a few people to just to get there. So I'm telling you, it's pretty impressive when, when you don't have that many bounties. I mean, if you had said to me, 1,900 people, how many bounties did Chris have? I would have assumed somewhere around the, you know, 15 to 20 bounties that he would have had to get to that final table. To, right. So to only have seven and two of them accumulated in the final six, that's impressive. But the huge comeback, you know, sometimes you see a guy down 15 to 1 chip right. count on the on the head-to-head play. But this came earlier uh, in the final 10 where he went from, like, the bottom of the list to move up and eventually take the lead. Uh, when they went to head-to-head, uh, he had a 6-1 to one, uh, chip lead and uh, only took hand, 10 hands to get the job yeah. done. Well, you know, you're feeling your oats at that point when you were you were the low, the low man on the totem pole, and now, now, now you've got a huge lead on your opponent, heads up. Exactly. You know. But he got good cards when he needed. He had the queens, he had the jacks uh, in, the, in the late play. And then on the final hand, uh, Emery went all in with ace-four suited. Uh, didn't connect, and Chris had pocket dates. So uh, again, you know, you, you got to get good cards, but you, you know, hold he's up. a well, very listen. he plays the best when he's short stacked. I think. You know, there I've are seen a lot him do of it before. Players do that because, uh, you know, the, I guess, the the fear factor is, uh, hey, I'm, you know, if I don't make a play soon, I'm, you know, so all of a sudden a hand that you may not have played if you had a larger stack because you don't want to risk it. You're, you become more aggressive with it, and uh, you know. Granted, he did get very lucky in that hand where he fly, where he beat the uh, the guy with, who had the ace jack. Yeah. I mean, he was he was practically drawing dead to that queen. Right. So he was drawing dead to or to that jack, to three jacks. So, you know, Chris will tell you himself he got very lucky in that thing, and he just took advantage of that. Yeah, just exactly. Took a big advantage. Well, congratulations to him. We'll definitely have him back on the show. Uh, uh, you know, I've, I've I've had some conversations with him about how interested he was in playing, and he did get away from the game for a while. So I, I wonder if this renews his uh, interest in the game, or sometimes you feel like you know, when you gotta win, you can just sit back and uh, do some other things that you've wanted to do, maybe with your life. Yeah, well, listen, he said that that the big changes when he won the WPT, and you know, had won three almost three quarters of a million between those two tournaments in a month, and winning this. I mean. I'd love to see what 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 Chris if Chris is invested in real estate or in anything else, but it definitely is going to change his life. Well, we'll try to look up and see the last time he was on the show and give you something to uh, go back. But you can always go to our uh, our archives at uh, Poker Action Line. Click on the yellow box in the front page, brings up our Pod Podbean uh, list of shows, and then you just kind of kind of scroll down and then uh, click on older older posts. Uh, a few times and, and look for the show, but they're obviously clearly marked, and uh, you can find out when he sits in on the program. Very interesting guy, and uh, certainly always look forward to having him back on the show. Anyway, let's move on to another topic uh, that I mentioned at the outset, and that is the um, the legalization of recreational marijuana in the state of Nevada. And uh, I want to get some of Joe's thoughts on that. Uh, you don't have to reveal anything personally. I, I will say right up front that uh, throughout the 80s, uh, I did smoke pot uh, on occasion, and uh, you know I, I, I'm I'm in my late 50s now, so I, I've gotten away from that type of thing. And uh, of course, in in today's world, a lot of times you have to take drug tests at jobs, and and that was one of the reasons I got away from it. I mean, I didn't always enjoyed it. I started uh, to smoke when I went to college, and uh, did for a few years after that. So. Uh, I'm thrilled here as we as we near the Fourth of July and talk about freedom. That that's what that's one of the things I think uh, when it's regulated and uh, keep uh, children away from it. Uh, much like online poker, uh, you know, if you don't uh, smoke and drive, uh, you know, that if you in, enjoy it either in your home or uh, you know when you're not driving, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot wrong with it. I don't know how you feel about Joe. I I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, I honestly believe should be legal in all the states and have the state, you know, sanction it, make sure, you know, and and not just for medical reasons. I mean, for medical reasons, it's, it's, it's you know, it's a slam dunk. That should be allowed in every yes. state just for medical reasons, for people who are suffering that, you know, that pot will, will alleviate 
their pain. Um, but I believe it should be a, rec- a, a, a recreational, uh, you know, allowed. And uh, you and I went through very similar scenarios, <laughs> hearing your description, and also because of the, you know, the industry we're in, you can't, you know, can't be involved in any of that, or else you lose your license. But how do I feel? Well, let me tell you something. If you walk through my poker room, on, I can guarantee you tonight when when I go to work tonight, I will I will have smelled that. Very intently to the point to where I almost feel like I'm getting stoned <laughs> on the, the floor uh, because breath. we got some of the guys who just take a break and step outside and then they come back as I always tell them, oh, that's an unusual smell of cologne you have on you there, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's already going on down here in a yeah. lot of places. Well, when the online poker scene uh, came around and got a lot of younger people involved, it's, it's very prevalent in the in the poker world. Not everybody, uh, you know, agrees with it. But uh, certainly I think uh, going out at a break and going out to your car and sitting in there, it hasn't been legal and it's still not legal inside the, the most of the casinos. But if you go outside, at one point I can remember it affecting uh, tournaments where uh, you know, if people really had uh, wanted to crack down on it, the guys came out with a chip lead and came back and got disqualified. That's happened a couple of times where people lost their their spot in the tournament because they they did smoke outside. Now that would have to be something that I would imagine it was a house rule that. It, but uh, you know, yeah. being if they weren't arrested or you know cited, ticketed for smoking. You know, I'd be very upset. I'd want to see that in their in their rules that 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 was allowed. Joe, would it be? Could it be considered a performance enhancer? Well, that's one one thing I did want to talk about. Uh, I don't think it is personally. Now, again, being no, remembering the effects that it had on me. Yeah, but that's unfair to do. I, I, I can wait, cite wait, an no, example. No, no, wait, wait. I, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna give you some backing on your end here. I've known a lot of friends throughout the many years of my life. Dave and I are the same age. And I know some guys who obviously cannot function in the real world without sparking up. You know, they, 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 without them smoking early in the morning and throughout the day, they li- and I used to tell them, you're absolutely crazy. Now, for me, you know, back when I was younger, I needed to be somewhere where I wasn't going to go anywhere because it definitely would not have been a... a <laughs> Uh, a performance enhancer for me, you know, because you got silly, you know, I don't know. I, I I believe that poker is a game that you need your full concentration level. But obviously there's a lot of players. I just mentioned that you, we get the smell in my place. And some of these guys, Joe, are are playing for very, very large amounts of money. So, I, I you know what, you, you probably have a strong point there. Well, my personal experience has... Uh for those that don't know, I've been involved in motorsports, uh, but in competition. And there was a time where I was competing, and obviously, Dave, you had suggested, you know, obviously you're not supposed to drive, you're not to do any of those things uh, in the comfort of your own home or sitting at a poker table is one thing. But in this example, and this goes back 20 years, uh, there were some competitors that on a regular basis would would race, and the nerves of the moment uh, would get the best of them. Right. And you can imagine, I, I certainly haven't played high-stakes poker, but the rush of adrenaline that must occur when you see things are either going your way or a big moment or something that you really must control that. You Absolutely. must control that. Absolutely. And that's probably just as big a part of the game as knowing the cards and what to do, how to control and deal with these runs of emotion and things happening. Well, they found that uh, by... Uh, smoking at the time, of course, illegal everywhere. This is in the 90s. They were much easily, much more easily able to deal with the nervousness that right. came with the competition, and it improved their abilities on to the drive. Track. To, that, yes. That's the question I was yes. going to ask you. They, yes. you know, because I would imagine I would reflexes would be would be something that would delayed. be affected. Right, <laughs> delayed exactly. They would be affected by smoking. But like you said, I have had friends who had driving jobs that, you know, they felt they drove better, that they, they functioned so much better smoking. 
And I could never understand that. And everybody's different, but these particular examples, they were able to go on to great success. Like if we could have gone back, which we can't, and document the people, the results before, and I think it would have been shocking. Now, I would never advocate that because, number one, it's illegal. Number two, if something were to happen, these cars are going very fast. But if you're at a poker table and you're the person who has a propensity to get nervous, man, I could see this being... Helpful. Or accessing different parts of your brain, like the Beatles, you know, when they created their best <laughs> stuff. Uh, accessing different parts of your brain that you can't creativity normally Creativity and that sort of but my, thing. But my belief on that is that people who function like that have been smoking for a long time and have built up the resistance. type of resistance yeah. to it to where it doesn't affect the casual user, let's just say, or first-time users, you know, most most people that I've spoken to in my lifetime that have tried it for the first time or are casual have have had similar experiences that I've had back then. And, you know, you think these people who do this have to do it every single day so that all of a sudden their motor skills, you know, yeah. and their nerves. Well, sir, it's great what sir, you said because the poker tells are one of the biggest things. So if you get all excited when you have a great hand and people can read that on you, you're never going to win a tournament because no one's ever going to give you play. Everybody's different, though. That's the point. Some people may be positive uh, and, a, and a performance enhancer. Other people that uh, need need their full concentration to make decisions, uh, to remember what the cards were earlier exactly. in the hand. I mean, uh, you know, certainly uh, the, it's easy to generalize, but one person said to me one time, it makes you fat, stupid, and lazy. And uh, so some people are really down in it because of that. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you just can't think properly. You can't remember things uh, for for five seconds. And that would be obviously a negative for poker. It would be. But like I said, I had never smelled, the, you know, the smell of, of, of weed like they're doing now because they are smoking something very good, very strong. Okay. And I don't recall that. When I was going growing up playing this game in private, I don't remember people smoking at at, at games. You know, they really didn't. Um, they may have smoked before they got there, but you know, there was a bigger stigma on on. You know, you didn't want to take a chance of letting somebody know that you enjoyed smoking, and you know, then all of a sudden they they cast you in a different you know in a different. What about mood. alcohol? Alcohol's never been an issue, ever. As far as have being stigmatized for it and for the legality of it. Now, yes, I have thrown people out of my poker room. I have not only thrown them out, I have cut them off. And then I've had to have major arguments with them when the cocktail waitress comes to me and this guy goes, hey, you just told the cocktail waitress to cut me off. And I said, yeah, you're, I go, you're already drunk. And I've had to call security on them, you know, uh, the ones who've got very, uh, you know, angry and belligerent with it. So, but there's no stigma attached to alcoholism other than, oh, he's a freaking drunk. You understand? Instead of somebody saying, oh, you know, that guy's a pothead. And, and for, some re- for some reason, that's looked, frowned upon more than someone being an alcoholic in our society. Well, my, my example about the racing, I was, uh, you know, a competitor, and I was annoyed. Well, wait a second. These guys have figured out a way to overcome something that I had to overcome on my own, and that is not cool. And I wonder, you know, you hear about, uh, you know, Seth MacFarlane, the guy who creates Family Guy, and that, 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 a lot of these right. writers, comedians, creative types, and they talk about how, uh, what a big deal it is for them to be able to access marijuana uh, as part of their creative process. So I will be interested I, I to see. I could see that. I w- well, <laughs> but, and so they work. They go to work and they do this, and I wonder... You know, now as we're learning more about this stuff with these experiments going on around the world, there are different strains. They're the one that make you sleepy. And then there's the one that makes you creative and up and aggressive and doer. You're going and you're thinking. Um, if in the near future we start to see these guys who are successful have a common thread in, in, in common, it could become a performance enhancer. Well, but now in my case is if you make it legal... Everyone has the opportunity to do it and see if it affects them the same way, exactly. you know, and, and uh, you know, th- that's always been my belief, you know. I hate when I hear these people, you know, talk about, oh, this and the other. Listen, you know, if you don't want to do it, don't smoke. Right, right. I, I don't, you know, listen, we hear a, a thousand times, you know, 
drunk drivers, unfortunately, killing or maiming other people because they've had too much to drink. And sure, they get on the thing. I don't know. I'm sure it's happened. But do you guys recall when was the last time that you heard somebody was high on marijuana and had an accident? I mean, you know, I, I haven't. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, sure it's yeah. happened. Statistics will tell you that there are accidents, but very often alcohol is also involved. Right. So how do you know that? How, how do you measure that? How do you measure? Yeah. And, that, and that's where you get into the whole argument of legality versus illegality. People throw out stats, and what do they say? There's lies, dirty lies, and statistics. You could find something to support whatever you want to say. But in the end, you know, you don't overdose from it. You don't die from it. And regardless, the, the voters in all these states are making the switch. And we're not seeing numbers skyrocket. So if you're in Las Vegas, a party town, come on. Well, listen, all I know is Nevada's always been at the forefront of new ideas for gambling in this country. Let, let, I'm sure we're at other, other casinos around the country are gonna, that where there's legalized recreational marijuana that we're going to wait to see how they, you know, what, how they put their, their spin on it as to how you can do it. If you can go, you have to step outside the casino if there's a special room for you to go. Well, I think right now the WSOP doesn't condone it. They certainly don't allow smoking inside the Rio. Uh, the players would have to go outside. But you wonder, 10 years from now, are you going to see uh, branded packs with the WSOP logo on them? You might. <laughs> Listen, you know, like Joe said, 20 years ago, this was like taboo all around the country. And now we have how many states? That have legalized it in one way or another. So uh, Dutch Boyd was quoted as saying, uh, marijuana is a part of poker. If you've ever been on the tournament trail, for instance, and stop in the Tunica Hotel during a, a circuit event or in L.A. for the World Poker Tour, just walk down the halls and it's everywhere. Yeah. Smells like weed. It's part of the game's culture. Um, you know, Alan uh, Chainsaw Kessler was completely against it. Says, uh, you know, why would you want to cloud your judgment and... and uh, in a game that relies on something like that, uh, Brian Mykon, who was on this program uh, a few years back, I think 2012, uh, talked about it and said that it counts me down in big tournament spots. Like, exactly like, what Joe just said. Right. Like he finished uh, 63rd in the main event when there was over 8,700 8, people in that tournament. He said, it helps me think clearly in the face of pressure. And every chip counts, he said, uh, to each to each his own. So basically, I think, again, that's well, the final Joe, Joe uh, analysis. Joe nailed it on the head. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I still I, remember the races I lost to those guys. <laughs> 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 okay, let's take our last break on the show. We'll come back and finish things up. Um, online poker is uh, slowly invading into the uh, World Series. Last year, of course, uh, uh, it became legal before the series. They did have an online event. And uh, this year they had three online events, uh, including a $3,333 buy-in. So we'll talk about that when we come back and uh, how that's changed the game a little bit as well. Yep. And and I still remember, isn't that the the heads up, one of the guy's computer went down? Yeah, that was this year. Uh, The guy uh, went to -to head-to-head play, uh, could lost his connection of his uh, computer and ended up uh, getting practically blinded blinded out. out. Yeah. Yeah. End up finishing second. Anyway, we'll take a break here on the program. You can always pick up the show on Hold'em Radio Network. Uh, we certainly uh, uh, appreciate what they've done for us. Uh, pick it up on SoundCloud or go to iTunes and uh, and download the show on a regular basis. You can go to the Poker Fuse podcast page. Uh, lots of great places to get it. Stitcher.com uh, is a great place to uh, pick up your podca- podcasts. And we're always available available there. Poker Action Line from South Florida. And we'll finish up today's show when we return. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, 
prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday, Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because you usually meant... We did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Kind of funny, uh, Josh Arier tweeted, uh, hey, can we stop all the tournaments at 11.55 tonight so we can all buy weed at midnight? <laughs> uh, Josh Arier, by the way, having a great uh, World Series. We hadn't seen him a, in a long time. really long time, haven't heard that name. Uh, speaking of South Florida, uh, as we did as we opened the show, a lot of stuff happening down here. Uh, tomorrow is the 4th of July as we do the show here, and the Florida City uh, room, which is called King's Court Key. Uh, they opened on the 19th of June. Uh, they got their first highlight in, and they opened a small six-table room down there in Florida City, which is south of Homestead. It's right at the kind of the entrance to the Florida Keys. So it will attract a lot of people from the south part of the peninsula and also coming up from the Keys. Uh, it's about 30 miles from the closest room, which is the Miccosukee uh, Indian Resort. Uh, quite a ways from any of the other uh, Miami rooms, uh, including Magic City. Uh, Magic City would be, be the next closest one, and then Hialeah. And Hialeah, Hialeah and right, then you're coming into Broward well. after that. Uh, my, I was told over the weekend that uh, Miami Highline was planning to reopen their room maybe later in the year. Anything you heard on that? Uh, the people that I have asked on that have laughed in my face. Yeah. Well, so, we'll see. So, you know, the, I heard a strong the rumor, rumor is out about there. five or six months ago, and I remember the one person who said to me, he goes, look, does this look like they're coming back into the room? <laughs> so they didn't want to I, I went by listen. there, by the way, uh, over the weekend, and uh, there's no the they, tables are all out of that yeah, area. They're, they're, put it this way. They didn't want to support it when I was making them a lot of money there a month. The, all they wanted to do was try to kill that, try to kill that industry. And they, they they were successful in that. They took something that was doing four hundred to five hundred thousand a month in revenue, took it down to just about twenty thousand a month. And uh, you know, so unless there's there's new management in there, new new people owning that casino, the current people, are, I don't see that occurring. I yeah. thought it was going to be true when I asked people. Who's still there? They just laughed at. Well, me. we'll see. Uh, I ended up playing at Hylia Park. Uh, down there over the weekend, uh, I guess it was Saturday afternoon. Uh, the reason I went down there was uh, to see Magic City. I talked to Ileana Zamora, who is uh, the poker room director down there. Has been there since uh, day Opening one. day one. Uh, had a, a history of uh, working on some of the ships and, and doing some dealing first, and then became the uh, poker room director. Uh, I guess you were the first director at Miami, and I think Noah Carbone was the other up at Palm Beach. Well, no, Palm, actually not. the first director was Jeff Ward. Oh, he you're right, the, you're right. He was okay. the poker director, but I was the poker room manager since day one, and 
they really didn't have the title of polar director once they got rid of Jeff. I just maintained it as you know I was I was I was I was at the top of the pyramid <laughs> since since they knocked Jeff down and uh, you know it was a lot of fun. Well, as July first rolled around, it's kind of the twentieth anniversary for uh, the Paramutuals here in South Florida, and since Ileana has been at uh, Magic City uh, for the entire time. Uh, her 20th anniversary there as well, and uh, they celebrated with uh, $2,000 an hour in the high hands, uh, $1,000 every 30 minutes. Okay. So it's not something they do on a regular basis. They, they have don't some have big, to. Yeah, they, they, don't they have really to. don't. They have 19 tables, and I went in there, and uh, she, told, she told me uh, if I wanted to play, I should get there you know, before the doors open, get there like 945 yeah, at least. Exactly to get a number and get a table. I couldn't make it till afternoon, so I waited till late afternoon to go over there. Went over there about 3 o'clock, 3.30, and uh, the wait list on one, two, no-limit hold'em tables was 57 players long. Okay. For two, four limit, was, which is what I wanted to play, was 113. Which means you weren't going to play that day. Exactly. Uh, I interviewed her. I was there for like uh, 45 minutes when I came out. Uh, there was still 106 in front of me, so yeah. uh, so I left to play elsewhere. But uh, taking a look at that, I mean, there's no slowdown here in South Florida, even with the Seminole Hard Rock uh, doing killer numbers, uh, you know, the aisle doing big numbers you, up listen, north. Listen, you give $1,000 away every half hour, you're going to fill your room every day. Now, yeah. the problem there, Dave, is you said they have a 19-table room. So the maximum that they're taking out in jackpot money is maybe if you're lucky and you get a couple of extra hands in, you're gonna probably have about a thousand dollars, maybe maybe a little bit more, thousand fifty. So if you're giving out two, if you're giving out two thousand uh, dollars, you know, an hour, now you're you're hoping that your tables are averaging at least a hundred dollars. So that promotion was basically for the players because yeah. the house the house will run full for that time frame. They'll make money. But at the end of everything, you know, their 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 profit margin because of the amount of tables. If that room had 30 tables, it would have been a, a lot different. But you know, we know that doesn't they can't hold 30 tables where they have the poker. Right. Well, they're also running a quads promotion. Uh, if you get quads, uh, you get your name on the on the leaderboard, and whoever has the most for the entire month of July gets $10,000, $8,000 for second, $6,000 for third. It's a total of $30,000 they're giving away in that promotion. That's and that's actually very good because you're not giving away all your your, you know, think about it. You fill up, I don't know how often they are filled up, but they're running very strong most of the day. And I would imagine Fridays and Saturday nights they're they're at capacity or very well near it. You know that that's a good promotion, hoping to bring people in, especially if you've hit four or five of the quads throughout the thing, and you're going, oh my God, now I'm going to sit here and play all day trying to pick up another two or three quads just to get up on that board for that for that free money. Right. That's an excellent excellent uh, promotion. Well, we're running out of time, but I did want to mention this uh, idea of having an online tournament at the same time as the Crazy Eight. So a lot of uh, you know over 8,000 players played, uh, and so a lot of people were uh, multi-tabling. They're playing the online Live. event at their table, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's nothing new to the game, really. Uh, I, it's not something I could do, but uh, uh, some people do that. Uh, it's you know, still boring, I bet, to some of these young players who right. are used to playing 10, 12, 16 games online. But they listed some of the players that were doing that, uh, playing live and online, uh, Chris Ferguson, Joseph Chong, uh, Jason Wheeler, Ben Yu, John Raisner are just a few of the people. Uh, they said about uh, 10, th- 10 to 15% of the field for the online event with a $3,300 buy-in were in the Amazon and Miranda rooms while playing both the Crazy 8s and the, the No Limit Tournament. Yep. So uh, uh, just guessing, but... Uh, I bet you. I bet you. In is the this something we're going to see more? That's what I'm wondering. What's that? Yeah, we're going to see that more. I, I, my, my wager would be yes, because it's a great way to capitalize on it from from the WSOP side. Because you don't need to you don't need to pay extra dealers to deal this. Yeah. Your players are already accustomed to playing this style. So my guess is this year they had three. Let's see if they go up to five next year. Yeah. Well, uh, certainly that would be my, over, in their best my over and under number would rest at five, and if I had to bet, I'd probably go on the over. 
Uh, it's in their best interest to promote WSOP.com. Uh, I played on there, and it's a it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good game. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, as we close, I just wanted to mention uh, coming up in August starts a big fall series. There, of course, we're out there as I mentioned for uh, had a booth at the Rio, and uh, encouraging people to enter a drawing to get into a uh, get a buy-in for the fifty two hundred dollar fifty uh, Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open Championship. Uh, also answering questions about the facility. But August 3rd through the 15th is the uh, SHRPO. And, and the smart thing there is that, that that particular tournament is not a WPT event, is right, it? Right, exactly, exactly. But uh, certainly uh, it will be something that uh, uh, a lot of people will, from around the country, big names, people will come and attend there because there's an $1,100 with a, with a half-million guarantee the 5250 is the championship, three million guarantee on that. 2650 uh, uh, no limit hold'em uh, event with a freeze out with a million dollar guarantee uh, is there as well. So that's uh, the main event starts on the 11th. But I just noticed that, uh, of course, they we mentioned earlier that they are getting the circuit event, and that's in September. Uh, September will be uh, they have uh, both the the Coconut Creek uh, Casino. And the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood will have an event. Uh, the Coca Creek one is in February, but uh, the Hard Rock event is September 21st through August 2nd. I forgot about that. That's right. The West Palm Beach Kennel Club is no longer That's associated right. with exactly. them. So, exactly. Wow. So there's that. And then uh, also there was just a, a big uh, WPT Deep Stacks tournament uh, the first week in September. So uh, there's like three huge events right in a row starting the beginning of August, ending into October. So. Uh, things are going to be crazy down here for the entire uh, fall. Yeah, well, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show. This is becoming a hotbed for poker. It is, and it and, might be you know, biggest. We've got to thank the soon. Hard Rock for that. Yeah, no you question. Know, they're the only facility right now that can hold these types of events, but maybe in the future, you know, if, if the state loosens up some of its restrictions uh, as to what certain paramutuals can do, other rooms can, can uh, eventually host some of these big big uh, tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's our show. Uh, appreciate you joining us and uh, hope to have Chris on when he gets back to town. Of course, yes. the main event starts <laughs> on July 8th. We're doing the show here on the 3rd, so uh, that's this weekend. It gets underway and we'll have the uh, opening days uh, completed by the time we come on the show next week and uh, things will be moving along and I'll be watching quite a bit of it on Poker Go app, and uh, it's certainly well, going to be a lot of fun. The main event will be on its w- on on, the, on its way by the time we get on the air next week. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us this afternoon or tonight or whenever you listen to your podcast. We appreciate that, and uh, we hope you'll be with us every week uh, into the summer as we uh, enjoy things here on Poker Action Line. Thanks for being with us, uh, Joe uh, and Joe, and. Uh, <laughs> been a fun time. We look forward to a great 4th of July. Hope everybody stays safe with the fireworks. Don't drink too much and don't drink and drive. And uh, good luck for everyone on the pro- on, uh, on, in the audience there this weekend as we celebrate our country's birthday. Yep. Happy 4th of July, folks. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.